Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taporic. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to Episode 5 of Crack the Customer Code. We're talking about a lot of great things today, including wearables and the future of customer experience with them. We also have an incredible guest, right, Adam? Absolutely. We have Jenny Dietrich of Arment Dietrich, and she is an expert in public relations. She runs the popular Spin Sucks blog, and she's got some really good thoughts on the intersection of PR and customer experience. And she's also got a very special relationship with a coffee barista at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, she's got some great stuff to say. And then we're also going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, which is what do you do when your CEO does not believe in customer experience. I hate that. We all hate that. And it's a really tough challenge. It is. But before we get started, we're going to talk about wearables. I did want to let everybody know that um, we have a email newsletter called The Customer Conversation. And you can get there by customerebook.com, customerebook.com. And when you go and sign up, you will get a free ebook called The Seven Secret Customer Service Techniques Every Expert Knows. Awesome. So, Jeannie, do you own any wearables? Do I own any wearables? Yes, I do. I have a Fitbit, which is something that helps track my steps and things like that. I also have Google Glass. <laughs> no comment. I have a belt and a shirt. Does that count? <laughs> Those are wearables, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I am kind of fascinated by this category, and the reason being that I think it we're in the very early stages of it. And the things that have taken off have all been really the fitness and the health things that are helping us uh, with data, collect our own data so that we can figure out what works for us as individuals, which is a really cool idea. But I also think we're about to see this next wave where things like Google Glass will evolve into something that doesn't feel completely ridiculous to wear in public. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. And You'll be able to get all of this information as you experience in stores or as you walk by uh, a billboard or in your car or whatever it is, you'll get custom information for you. And I think that's what we're all kind of craving right now because, and that's what works quite frankly in customer experience. Everybody talks about personalization, but this is like uber personalization. So it's really cool to think about. And that's the hurdle, you know, I think... It's got to be because, quite frankly, the technology is there now to do so much more than is being done. But the hurdle is making it so useful for the customer because when you talk about customizing and you talk about all of that collecting our own data, yeah, we're collecting it, but so are the companies, <laughs> right? Yeah. So is Jawbone or Fitbit or whoever. And you know, when you sort of go to the next generation, you start talking about the store of the future – you know, I joked, I have a belt, you know, and a shirt, right? When you're talking about wearables, but that's what it's going to be. There's going to be a chip in your shirt. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a chip in your clothing and you're going to walk into a major merchandiser and you're going to pop up on a screen and it's going to, you know, you can't talk about this without talking about minority. I know, report. right? You know, but, but, you, but it really, it's the cliche, but it's really true. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of applications to this when you think about future design, when you think about what is going to be necessary in store layouts and things like that. Because if I get a personalized message, you also then have to tell me, how do I take that next step? How do I actually find what I'm looking for? How do I 
you know, actually make that purchase in the moment. You know, Lowe's is rolling out their robots. Have you seen this? Yes, I have seen the Lowe's robots. They're interesting and very cool. And they're essentially customer service robots that greet customers and can take them. You can hold up a little nail or doohickey and say, I'm looking for one of these. And it scans the picture and says, I can help you with that. If you if you combine that idea of technology with this custom wearable stuff, I mean, it, we could all be super efficient. <laughs> and I think a lot of us are looking for that. Right. You know, I mean, it's really, and you're talking about store of the future and the Lowe's robot, you know, it's really jumping from it being in your hand or it being on the store floor, you know, it's in an app or it's in, you know, a robot <laughs> to where you're literally, it's part of, you know, what you have on you. And uh, I was fortunate enough, I was on a panel with Nadia Shurabura, hopefully I got her name right. And she has a cool company called Hointer. Oh, and I love Hointer. High end. Yeah, you've seen it, you know, it's, uh, we'll, and we'll put that in the show notes. But when you go to Hointer, you know, it's everything you're shopping with your smartphone app. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. eventually it's going to go from the app you know, to your wrist or to your clothes. Yep. Yeah. I just think it's, it's something everybody should think about if you're running businesses that deal with customers, because it will happen. And actually the, the wave of the fitness and health stuff has surprised a lot of analysts as well. And that's really taking off. And in fact, our guest is somebody who's a big fan of wearables. Absolutely. She loves wearables and she actually bought them for her whole organization. Woo-hoo. All right, exciting. So let's tell everybody about Ginny. Ginny Dietrich is the founder and CEO of Armont Dietrich, a Chicago-based integrated marketing communications firm. She's the lead blogger at Spin Sucks and is the founder of Spin Sucks Pro. She's also the author of a great book, Spin Sucks the Book, the co-author of Marketing in the Round, and the co-host of Inside PR. Ginny, how are you doing today? Good Lord, that's a lot. <laughs> I've never said suck so many times in a row. <laughs> Your mom would be very disappointed. Yes. So guess what we were just talking about? You were just talking about the polar vortex that's coming to Chicago next week. Oh, good Lord, no. We were talking about wearables. Oh, yes, wearables. And I was saying how, you know, everything's about health and fitness right now with wearables, but there's like this brave new world, but you're into wearables, right? Love my job. So what do you love about it? Um, well, <laughs> as you know, Jeannie, I'm very competitive. <clears throat> <laughs> I do um, know this. <laughs> it, it, actually, what I love about it is it, it keeps, it holds you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have those days where you just don't want to work out. Yeah. And you look at your steps and you're like, crap, I got to work out. Because you don't want to have days where you have 20,000 steps and then a day in there where you only have 3,000. So you, it, keeps, it holds you accountable. It's very this. true. How long have you been doing the jawbone thing? We started it in April of last year. So a year and a half. And you have your whole team on it, right? The whole team's on it. Yep. That's really it's, cool. Well, part of it's because, you know, we're virtual. And mm-hmm. so we all sit at our desk all day long and there's no reason really to get up and leave unless you're pretty diligent diligent about going out to lunch which none of us are so it was one of the it really is to help get people away from their desks um because i'm a pretty big believer in the fact that when you step away for a little bit you actually recharge and can be creative and think so Mm -hmm. that that was the reason for it but of course it's become this huge competition you are a very good boss. So yeah, Jawbone, for those of you who don't know, Jawbone is like a little wearable band and it tracks your fitness and your steps and all that. And what's cool, Jenny, is we were just talking earlier about sort of how 
things like this are blending with customer experience. And I like how when like two topics sort of blend and one of the things, you know, we've talked about before, and I know you talk about a lot is customer experience and the future of PR. Tell us a little about, bit about what your thoughts are on that. You know, I really believe that the, the future of PR is, is more, it's less about, you know, trying to get your story into publications and more about how do you have conversations with your customers. Um, the industry is not there as a whole yet, uh, which I guess is why it's the future. But it really is about, um, yeah, I mean, from a PR perspective, we are trained to build relationships and to network and to find the right people to bring into an organization. Uh, it used to be that we were very good at, con- well, for lack of a better term, controlling the message. And now it's really about how do we build brand loyalists, how do we change critics into loyalists, um, and doing it through from a customer's perspective. So it's no longer about, you know, we're going to have to go out and figure out what our demographics are and our psychographics are for a mass number of people. It's really about what is it that Jeannie wants from the business? What is it that Adam wants from the business? And how do we um, communicate that in mm-hmm. that way? Well, and I think a great part of interacting with customers instead of that macro level of like trying to control the messages you were talking about, it is about the micro, as you know, I love to talk about. Uh, And I think everybody should hear the story of your barista boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, my boyfriend, Dan. Okay. So I'll tell the story and then I'll um, tell you what, what has happened with Dan. A couple of years ago, (laughs) we go to Starbucks every day. And Kelly, my husband, always goes in. And it used to be, you know, we would stop at Starbucks on the way to work because I had an office. And, you know, it's just part of our routine. And he would go in and, you know, they ask your name. And so he'd say, Kelly. And after, it, for those for those of you who know my husband, Jeannie, mm-hmm. you'll know that he's very um, gregarious and will talk to anybody and makes friends very, very quickly. Indeed. So after about a week, he had lots of friends at Starbucks. And he would go in and instead of them writing his name on the cups, they started writing, Dan in particular, started writing me notes on the cups because I never went in. So he didn't believe I existed. He was like, why are you getting two drinks? And who is this person? Are you sure you have a wife? So he would write me notes on the cups. And (laughs) at first it was, do you really exist? And then I would like write a note back and send the cup back. Um, And then it it turned into multiple choice questions. I mean, everything from who do you think is the best entertainer, Madonna, Prince, or Britney Spears? I mean, totally stuff like that, too. Yeah. I mean, it was a freaking blast, and it went on for probably a year and a half. And then I learned that he was leaving because he actually had just gotten his culinary degree and was a pastry chef and was leaving to actually be a pastry chef instead of a barista. And so a couple of Halloweens ago, I went in and I met him, and... That I wrote a blog post about it, which obviously is not something that I would typically write about. It'd be something that one of you guys would typically write about. But it was such a great experience. Mm-hmm. And I shared some of the images of the cups because every time he sent me a cup, I took a picture and posted it to <laughs> Facebook. It was great. Well, you was, sent some of them back with answers. Oh, yeah. I sent them all back with answers. <laughs> and he'd be like, which shirt of Kelly's do you like the best? Superman? Iron Man? Batman? <laughs> Kelly has all of the <laughs> <laughs> those t-shirts from target so yeah it became we had this weird relationship that we built through cups the starbucks cups that ended with um 
<laughs> meeting in person. And actually, we have followed him. He's he's got he's now worked in three different restaurants in the last couple of years, and we have followed him from restaurant to restaurant just wow. to to maintain that relationship. That's really that's just a great story, it's and a it great shows story. how one person can make such an impact on a customer's experience, and it turns into like a real life honest-to-goodness relationship, which is what everybody's talking about, but so few places are good at. And it's funny because it's not something that Starbucks trains their baristas to do, right? But Mm -hmm. the culture is so good that, and they have the freedom to interact and know who their customers are and be engaging and do those kinds of things. So that if if it's in your personality to do that anyway, you are allowed to do that, where some organizations would really frown on that. Very true. Yeah, and I mean, I like that he's empowered to do that because obviously, you know, it's not scalable either. He's he's picking you as like a daily customer. Of course, he, of course. And then that's what's really cool is he's able to pick and choose and able to empower. So I've got a great idea. Ginny and the Barista. It's like we can pitch it as like an art house film to, to Sundance <laughs> Channel. I think I, it just sounds like one of those. <laughs> it does sound like one of those. Actually, Howard Schultz has a new book coming out and they, they interviewed us, both, up, both me and Dan for that. And Kelly was like, but... I was the one delivering the house. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kelly. I know. It's like a political wife. It's just <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no credit. That's bad. Well, Jenny, hey, thank you so much. This has been awesome. We really appreciate it. And if anybody is not familiar, you blog every single day at spinsucks.com, which is a great community of people who read the blog and you you always share a lot of great information there. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. It's time for our Customer Hero, Customer Zero segment. Today, we're going to talk about a generic Customer Zero. And I know you have very strong thoughts on this. So why don't you tell me what you think about when the CEO does not believe in customer experience? Ah. Uh. Okay. (laughs) Sigh of exasperation. (laughs) So anytime you deal with customer experience, you are really dealing with everybody in the organization, whether you like it or not. And it has to come from the top. And I had an experience where this really hit home for me because the CEO of a growing organization, he was actually the founder of the company. And this happens a lot because we get blinded by our passion as founders And he was extremely passionate about the company that he had built 12 years ago. What happened was he started realizing that they weren't getting the same results. They were losing customers and they couldn't quite put their finger on it. So we went in and did some work. And every time I sat down without him in the room, I got a totally different story than if he was in the room with his team members. So that tells you something right away. Yeah, definitely. You, you can start sniffing out the culture pretty much right from that. Exactly. And it's not healthy, right? So I went in there to present these findings, and a lot of it was about you're not keeping up, and people here don't like the culture, and that needs to change because that's getting out to your customers. So I presented all those findings in a room with him at the end of the table, and I could see all of his people, his his frontline people, his executives, They were kind of sitting up straight. They were nodding at me. I was getting all this great nonverbal feedback from them. And then they turned and looked at him and he just shook his head. He just said no. So did he he have like specific objections? He basically said, this is not true. 
I can't, (laughs) honestly. And he kept talking about the company as if it were still 12 years ago and saying, I started this, I, I, I. And it was driven by his ego. And he just could not let go of the fact that it wasn't the same company anymore and that he had work to do. And part of what's really difficult about any customer experience initiative is you have to be willing to hear the ugly truth. And that's really hard. No, absolutely. And I mean, that's and one of the things, if you look at sort of a embracing customer centricity, right? If you have an organization that has not been customer centric and you want to make it customer centric, you want to sort of get on that bandwagon, start understanding the return that comes from, you know, a customer focus, it's got to start at the top. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have the buy-in at the top, it's never going to work. Because the first thing you've got to do is you've got to sell the idea that there's a return. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've got to understand that there's a return. And the catch is, if you haven't done it in your business, then you don't know what the return is in your business. The only data you're going to be able to use is data from other businesses, hopefully from the same industry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and making that sell at the top is the only way. Because if you look at that change, it's got to be both cultural and executional. But it's got to start with culture. Right, right. And it's got to start with everybody being able to do their jobs in a way that's honest and being able to bring that feedback back to leadership without feeling like they're going to get fired or yelled at or just not heard at all. So if your CEO does not believe in customer experience, it's really time to either sit down and try to have that conversation if you have that sort of influence or look for that data like you're talking about in the industry and share with them, this is the power of it. This is what we could do with it. But it's a hard road. And if you're the leader and you're listening to this, it almost always pays. It <laughs> Please does. Please know this. You've got to just get on the bandwagon. It is the age <laughs> of the customer. It is worth it. Absolutely. All right. I think that's a great place to wrap up. Very cool topic. Thank you so much for listening to Episode 5 of Crack the Customer Code. We have more episodes online. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. For the show notes, please go to crackthecustomercode.com. We'll have all the links that we've spoken about in this episode. And if you like the podcast, and only if you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.